Hey Real Life Church, Stuart Crane here. Uh, welcome to this morning's sermon. I hope you are doing well. This is the 14th Sunday of lockdown and I don't know how you're feeling about that but I am missing you all heaps. I am missing us meeting together and being together. I'm finding this kind of constant sort of being shut up in the house um, wearing uh, and I'm looking forward and praying to the day where we will get together um, so we can be together uh, as a church family. Um, this week though I managed to get out uh, for a little bit of time in response to the Father's Day sermon last week about getting outdoors with Jesus. I, I managed to get some time, uh, go out with my card, spend some time with him, uh, spoke to him about a few things so that was really good and I want to encourage you if you haven't done that yet try and make some time in the coming weeks uh, days to get that done and negotiate with those you live with if you live with others to kind of get outside uh, and have some time with him. What we're doing today is we're back into the Apostles Creed and it's the sixth part of what we're doing so we're kind of over halfway uh, and if you've been following along We've been going through the Apostles' Creed uh, as part of our discipleship series. We've looked at the Ten Commandments, we've looked at the Lord's Prayer. Now we're looking at the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed is an ancient statement of faith um, that's been adopted by the church for hundreds and hundreds of years and used uh, as an early baptismal confessional where people would state what they believe. And we've been looking through it as a way of um, reminding ourselves in uncertain times what we can be certain of because the creed states some really important truths that we find in the Bible. Now, it's important to note that what we always go back to is the Bible. The Bible is like the sun. It has the heat and the light. Uh, the creed is like the moon that merely reflects that, uh, but it does so in a really succinct way, uh, a really excellent way that you can learn it and get some key truths um, of the Christian faith. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read uh, the creed to you, and then we're going to dive into the next section um, that we've been looking at today. So it says this, the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. All right, what we're up to here is the next line. And the next line we're going to be looking at today is the line that says, He descended to the dead and on the third day he rose again. And there are two statements there. And we're going to look at each one in turn. And what these two statements do is they confront us with the reality of death, but also the great hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus. So the first one, he descended uh, to the dead. Now, it is an escapable, inescapable fact of life that we die. It is an inescapable fact of life that we will all die. Everyone who ever lived has died and everyone who ever will afterwards will also die, save Jesus returning. And this crisis we find ourselves in, this global pandemic, this COVID-19 uh, moment, um, has brought this home to us with great force. Um, there are sort of daily um, publication of figures of death related to the virus, let alone other related deaths. And what, what this reminds us of is that Jesus was no different. Jesus too faced death. Now there is disagreement about what this line of the creed actually means. There is a disagreement among believers, kind of an in-house uh, debate 
on that and there would be those who would just ignore this line and kind of say, and I read some bunch of books on it and some of them have really short chaps on this, like one or two pages basically saying, we sort of skip over this line uh, and that's it. Um, and there are kind of warnings in there about don't go beyond what the Bible says. And then there are other extremes where there are very kind of fanciful stories about what this could mean. And they go to all kind of strange places on very few verses, verses from the Bible. But the Bible does have something to say about this and there's stuff we can learn from this. So let's go through it. The first one he says, he says he's descended. Now what that means is uh, it's a reference to not like going down a mine shaft, like descending into the earth. It's a reference to the fact that uh, death is lower in terms of dignity and honour than life. We're designed to be alive. And living and those who are dead do not have that uh, lose out on that and so there is a, a kind of a loss in the depths of the dignity and what it means to be uh, human in being dead and then it says he descended to the dead now some older translations of the creed some you may have read or seen have the word hell in there okay and there's a difference between those words and let's explain why one sometimes some say hell some say dead what's that about well what it's due to mainly is in the change of the meaning of the word okay because the original word was actually hell um, but what that meant was it was the hell meant it was a place of the dead uh, in the Greek the word was Hades in the Hebrew it was uh, Sheol and if you read some translations of the Bible they actually retain those two words the NIV the ESV uh, have those words in them and so you might find in your reading it says it mentions Hades or it mentions Sheol. And what that was in the thought at the time was that everyone who died, everyone went to that place. And it was a reference to the place of the dead. But as time kind of went on, the word, the English word hell uh, that was used, meaning changed. And it basically just meant a place of torment for the unrepentant and a place of judgment. And so actually they thought, well, we need to change that because the meaning behind the word has changed and it's not what actually the creed was driving at. So that's why sometimes the modern ones say he descended uh, to the dead. And actually probably a better translation would be he descended to the place of the dead uh, might be a better kind of wording, a fuller wording for it. And we see this uh, sort of truth borne out in uh, stories Jesus told like Luke 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where it says both of them died. And they both went to the place of the dead, but the, uh, the rich man was in a place of torment, uh, but Lazarus was in a place of blessing, a good place. And there was kind of, he told the story, sort of referencing this kind of thought, saying actually when they die, everyone goes to the same place, but there was differences in what it's like there. Jesus himself, uh, when uh, he was dying on the cross, he promised the thief on the cross. He said, today you will be with me in paradise, which again is a reference to that uh, place of the dead where there's a place of blessing. And actually that's where the thief would be uh, with him. And Jesus also predicted in uh, Matthew chapter 12, he said, that he would there would be the sign of Jonah he said just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days so the son of man he will be in the place of the dead uh, for three days there's that kind of that period there between his death and his resurrection so what does this kind of mean uh, for us now what can we take away from this well the most important thing for us is that the point the creed is making is that when Jesus died he experienced everything it was to be dead he experienced everything that it was for him to be dead in Hebrews 2 it talks about him suffering and him tasting death uh, for everyone, him kind of having the full orbed experience of what it means to die. And his, in death, he suffered in three ways. He'd suffered physically, 
Uh, if we read the stories of Jesus' um, kind of crucifixion, we find an incredible amount of physical suffering. He was beaten, uh, tortured, whipped, uh, so the, so the kind of flesh hang off his back. He was beaten uh, by the soldiers. He had the nails that went through his wrists and his ankles as he hung on the cross. He It says at one point, he said he was so thirsty, kind of his tongue must have dried out, his mouth was dried out, and there was a suffering there in that physical. He needed something that had been denied him. And then it says that the, a spear was thrust in his side, up under his ribs, into his heart, um, and then he died on the cross. And so he suffered completely in a physical way and experienced all that it means to suffer and die physically. But he also suffered on an emotional level as well. It wrapped up in his death. There was the betrayal by Judas, one of his close followers who sold him out for money. And that's how he turned him over. Uh, there was the abandonment by his disciples. The rest of the disciples just scarpered when the authorities turn up, Jesus arrested, they just bolted, they dropped him and ran. Then we have the personal denial of Peter, one of his closest friends, who, who sits and says, I don't know this guy. And there was Jesus looking at him, it says. And so he experienced that. There were the false accusations uh, that witnesses brought, saying things about Jesus that weren't true. So he suffered there. He was pronounced guilty uh, under law when he was in fact innocent, uh, suffering there, having a, a miscarriage of justice and he was abandoned by the religious authorities who should have recognised him as the Messiah, the one who's come according to their scriptures and actually they just washed their hands of him and they were the ones who were instigated and instrumental in his death. Um, so he suffered greatly emotionally, he suffered greatly physically and finally he suffered spiritually. Jesus' eye and his death on the cross, he faced the full wrath of God. Uh, we have in the Gospels, uh, it's noted that he cried out. And one of the cries he makes is when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, which is a reference uh, to Psalm 22, uh, where there is the suffering servant there. And Jesus is crying out as he faces the wrath of God for the sins of the world for the sins of the people who have done so many rings wrong and offended God, and he is facing the punishment for them. Uh, it was noted in one of the books I read that actually that's the only time that we find where Jesus doesn't refer to God as his father. Every other time he's referred to as his father in heaven, suddenly it's like actually this time it's just God because he is facing the wrath. The, the father turned his face away, um, we find, um, and Jesus literally faced hell. In that moment so there was suffering on a physical level emotional level and a spiritual level as Jesus died so he had the full kind of orb of what it means to die in the flesh um, what the Bible also points to at this time that's just worth noting at that moment Jesus died and actually kind of what happened between the the Good Friday and the Easter Sunday that period we find hints in uh, 1 Peter 3 where it talks about Jesus going to the place of death and preaching good news to those there, which has many kind of different possible interpretations, but there is something there that actually what was Jesus doing, what was happening there. Uh, we find uh, Ephesians 4 and Psalm 68 talking about um, him taking the captives out and taking them up to heaven with him. So there's some kind of transformation that is happening there. And we find as we read on into the New Testament, uh, Revelation 1, Acts 2, where it says that Jesus conquered uh, sin, uh, hell and Hades. He holds the keys for them. Death could not hold him. It has no power over them. All is now subject to the Lord Jesus, which kind of happened sort of in those moments 
when Jesus faced death. So we have Jesus, he descended to the dead and he knew everything what it was for man to die. Uh, the next phrase we look at here is that he, on the third day he rose again. And this for me is the centerpiece of the creed. Uh, there was a, a moment when we started this series and we were having a life group Zoom and uh, the life group leader read out the creed and he said to all of us kind of there on, on the chat, he said, which bit stands out for you? And we started this discussion. For me, this 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 phrase stood out to me. Said, this is what it's all about. And this is where it boils down to. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is like the lens, like the glasses from which we read our Bible. Uh, when you read Old Testament, New Testament, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is the key truth that we are to hold on to. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the fundamental, vital truth of the Christian faith. Uh, the Apostle Paul puts quite bluntly in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. So that's it, if Christ hasn't risen dead, your faith is futile. Um, the resurrection tells us that the cross was enough. The cross where Jesus died as that sacrifice was that powerful moment of him taking the wrath of God, being that sacrificial lamb, but then the resurrection looks back and says that was enough. And then Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, uh, the rest of what we read about in the creed, about him returning and judging and forgiveness of sins and the church, all that, all that kind of doesn't mean anything because Jesus is still dead in the grave. Um, Christianity cannot be Christianity without the resurrection from the dead. It's what the early church preached about relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And if he didn't rise, they couldn't have that. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there's no hope of the resurrection for us. For us, death's the end. That's it. Uh, simply put, Jesus cannot be Lord and Saviour if he didn't rise from the dead. So what does the phrase say? It says this. It says, on the third day. So the first thing is on the third day. That means it ties this moment to history. Just like we saw in the previous uh, line about Pontius Pilate, uh, crucified under Pontius Pilate, it kind of ties it to a moment. The third day ties the moment of Jesus' death to a particular historical time and place. So the resurrection from Jesus from the dead is a historical event. And the question always is asked of Christians, and people ask it sometimes well-meaning, sometimes not, is how can we be sure that it happened? Because there are theories about what happened that oppose the resurrection. People say things like, Jesus didn't die, he, he swooned. So he wasn't really dead when they took him down the cross and they dumped him in a, a cold tomb. Or they say things like uh, the disciples stole his body, hid it and kind of made up a story. Or the authorities, whether it be Roman or Jewish, hid the body and then kind of just put it out, this, out of the way. And basically those theories don't stand up to scrutiny because there is so much evidence that points to Jesus rising from the dead. So much circumstantial evidence that the it's kind of overwhelming and there's only one conclusion. And we have things like, what evidence is it? Well, there was an empty tomb. The tomb was empty. No body was ever found. No body was ever produced by the disciples or by the authorities. No one ever seen it. And that tomb was guarded. It was guarded by Roman soldiers. And so you can't just come in and steal a body because there were men there, men of war, trained soldiers who were guarding it. Um, we find people who have encounters with the living Lord Jesus. Many, many, many people on different times and different places. And at, at one point there was over 500 in one go who all saw the living Lord Jesus. They had personal encounters with him. Um, there are those, uh, the truth that the disciples who were the followers of Jesus were willing to die horrifically for the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. I think it's true that all the all the original kind of 12, Judas had 
died beforehand uh, were all martyred for their faith. Or at least they tried to kill them for their faith and they were willing to die for the truth. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead and they wouldn't do that uh, for a lie. Jesus' own mother and brother worshipped him as Lord. And if there are two people who won't worship you as God, they are your parents and your siblings because they know you. They know what you're like. They know your flaws. They've been around you. There's no way they're going to say, oh, you're God. We're going to worship you. But Jesus' own mother and brother were convinced that he was Lord and they uh, gave their trust and faith in him. When Jesus lived, uh, born, lived and died, he filled multiple Old Testament prophecies. And it's pretty hard to fulfill a prophecy about where you were born and how and where you're going to die, uh, let alone all the bits in between. Uh, so Jesus fulfilled many, many Old Testament prophecies. We have a day of worship that was originally on a Sabbath, a Saturday, that historically speaking overnight changed to a Sunday. On the first day of the week, it's that the church died together and worshipping Jesus in there. That just doesn't happen. But actually, that, that's what i with the church. Suddenly Sunday, and it still is today, the day of worship for the church. We have the rapid growth of the church from a bunch of kind of ill-educated uh, fishermen and other assorted people in a backwater country. And then within 100 years, 200 years, it is flooding the known world with the growth of the church, which is just can only be miraculous that what they were preaching was the truth, that Jesus rose from the dead. We have, even our dating system is ADBC. Um, it, there is something, even history recognises something happened at that moment. And we, we mark our days from that, even though there's sometimes a bit of debate exactly when Jesus was born. It's still a recognition of something significant happened. And even down through the centuries, through the millennium, there are countless stories of millions upon millions of changed lives of men and women who have met the living Lord Jesus all over the world and they know he's alive and all together they only point to one reasonable outcome and that is Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So what does it mean? Is on the third day he rose again. What does it mean? Well as I was reading around there are lots of people kind of uh, lots of quotes I, I kind of pulled together and they said things like that. They said the resurrection of Jesus the dead is the greatest good news in all human history. The greatest good news in all human history. And others said, all history, all history turns on this one fact, this one truth. Another one said, the entire substance of New Testament theology finds its ultimate expression in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Everything we read in the New Testament, everything ultimately points to one truth, one fact. Jesus rose from the dead. Another said, Easter is a beacon of hope against the darkness of death. It makes all things new. Everything changes because Jesus rose from the dead. And it was the message of the early church, the very first sermon from the early church preached by Peter, we read about in Acts chapter 2, was that Jesus rose from the dead. The one that you crucify, he says, rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead. He is alive. Paul, as we've noted in 1 Corinthians 15, says it is of first importance that you preach Christ crucified and raised from the dead, that he is alive and living today. And the New Testament as a whole is unapologetic about this fact. You go through the four gospels, all pointing to his death and then his resurrection. We have Acts. If you read through the book of Acts, it's constantly preaching Jesus rose from the dead. And then if you read on into the letters, that's what they all look back to. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, all these other things uh, we can talk about. But actually, it comes back to that one point. Jesus rose from the dead. And there are three things I just want to highlight uh, now is that what does the resurrection show us? What does the resurrection mean for us? Well, what it means is that Jesus was who he said he was. He is God the Son 
and the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one who was God to send to redeem his people. He has come, he has demonstrated victory uh, over death. He uh, is the one who fulfilled those Old Testament prophecies. He was who he claimed to be. This was God come to earth in human flesh, fully man, fully God. He was who he said he was. The second thing that we can take from this is that our forgiveness and justification are guaranteed. Our forgiveness of sins and justification just means declared righteous, not guilty, are guaranteed because of Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus paid the debt of sin in full, completely. Therefore, we can stand not guilty before a holy God. The slate has been wiped clean. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there would always be that nagging question. Has the debt been paid? Has everything been covered? Has my balance sheet been reduced to zero? Or do I still owe something? Um, for God but because he rose from the dead uh, we can say that is guaranteed we can know forgiveness we can know freedom we can know justification before God which is wonderful news the third thing is that our, our own future resurrection is secure because Jesus rose from the dead we can stand and say one day we will rise we will rise so whatever happens to our body the Bible says that although outwardly we're wasting away inwardly we are being transformed more and more like into his image on one day that will be completed at the resurrection of the dead where we too will rise and we will be like him what jesus resurrection was was like a first fruit uh, of the coming age what is to come what we will see and what we will be part of there and so they are wonderful things for us to enjoy so let's look at some applications some lockdown living things for us how do we kind of apply that what are we going to do with these great truths at the creed it's highlighting to us. Well, there's three things I just want to put to you now as we finish. The first one is this, and that is that we are to face the reality and loss of death. We are to face the reality and loss of death. Uh, death is inevitable uh, for us. We're going to face it at some point unless Jesus returns, um, and we have to face it. Uh, and this isn't something we like to talk about, really. It's not something we like to kind of spend time on. It's actually a kind of a topic we tend to avoid. Uh, we, it's actually considered as almost poor taste to talk about it. We, we tend to use different language. We don't like to talk about death and dying and being dead. We, we talk about things like someone has passed away. Uh, we talk about someone, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, we talk about the departed. Um, we kind of even use the language that sort of doesn't have to deal with the reality that and even when we go to funerals or cremations often there are curtains and things hidden behind those door we want to kind of remove ourselves from these things yet we have to face this reality that we are all going to die no matter how young or healthy you feel uh, right now it's something that is coming uh, your spouse your parents your children your friends your sibling will one day leave you or you will one day leave them uh, through death and in this season of lockdown we've had to face loss I guess as a as a nation even as nations of the world on an unprecedented scale um, we face losses in our jobs um, in our freedoms in relationships and not being able to see people in loss in being able to go outside go on holiday kids going to school celebrating moments you just we haven't been able to do that. there has been loss after loss after loss and many of you have also faced loss of actual loss of loved ones and people have died uh, and left you in this season which is just so hard anyway but yet with the restrictions that we're facing of gathering makes it even more difficult 
uh, we've become more familiar with the reality of death and the daily publications of statistics of those who've died from the virus. It just kind of all brings everything close to us and they just serve to remind us about this life and how temporary and how short it is and one day we will all leave this and we need to be men and women who face this, who are willing to acknowledge this and that this one day will happen to us and to also everyone we know and uh, it, it can be painful and we need to mourn and to grieve uh, this situation and for those who've lost loved ones at this time we need to mourn with them and grieve with them and stand alongside them we need to be able to talk about it to use the individual's names who've died to say we're sorry that they've died we're allowed to allow people space to talk about it and just acknowledge that this is all a process that we're going through mourning and grieving is a process and that this life will be marked by this this is a consistent constant thing of our life that we mark by pain and loss and we just need to face that and face that reality and acknowledge it uh, the second thing we need to do is to enjoy Jesus' resurrection power now. Uh, Jesus is alive. He was alive on that third day and he is alive even now, ruling and reigning, which we'll come to next week. Uh, and we, therefore, we have a hope as believers that goes beyond the grave and we should live in the light of that. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you're not a believer, uh, I, I, I want to tell you today that he is alive and he is well and he is ruling and reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is God the Son, fully man, fully God, and he wants to know you. He loves you. He, he you he wants to have relationship with you and as um, someone who doesn't know him you have to recognize that recognize that you have done thing wrong you've offended God you've offended a holy God but the good news is that you can turn repent turn just turn around from leading your own life put your faith and trust in Jesus and have new life and receive forgiveness for sin he paid the price you don't have to pay the burden for the things you've done the things you haven't done that you should have done all that stuff can be wiped away the things you thought the things you've said uh, the actions you've taken God will give forgiveness to you in Christ uh, through what he's done so you need to repent and put your faith and trust in him in that for us who are believers we need to enjoy what Christ has won for us for his resurrection we have been born again by the Holy Spirit uh, the Bible said we are filled with the presence of God Jesus said when I go I'm going to send another to you I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he will be with you forever so we have the presence of God with us even now we have freedom from the power of sin we have freedom from the power of sin. We've been declared not guilty, uh, so we don't have to pay the penalty of sin, but we're also being transformed, sanctified daily into his likeness. We have The power of sin has been broken in our life. We can say no to it. Uh, we're not free from its presence. It's all around us, but we have been free from its consequences and its power over us, which is fantastic news. We can be worship God in spirit and in truth. The playlist that went out today, Put it on, turn it up loud, sing and your praises out to God. Declare truth about him. That's what we have. Enjoy the truth of his resurrection and all that means. When we pray, we pray to a living God, an advocate we have in heaven who stands before the Father and pleads our case and says, 
God, I've saved this one. I have redeemed him. He is clothed in my righteousness and we can bring our request to God. We are to enjoy that and embrace that. Every opportunity to pray when we read our Bibles uh, by the power of the Spirit is transformed into the living word where we can learn about God. We can be transformed ourselves. He can speak to us through it. It is fantastic. When we proclaim the good news to others, to our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues and our family, we can see lives transformed as Jesus has transformed our lives. He will transform their lives, which is wonderful news. We can pray for the sick and see them recover and see God's resurrection power at work in their lives. We can pray for the, um, the work of the enemy in this world that sin comes to kill and destroy and we can pray and see all his works torn down and we can see love and we can see reconciliation and forgiveness happen in this life and we as believers are to enjoy that and embrace that and live in the light of that and the final thing is we are to look forward to our future hope we are to look forward to our future hope one day there will be no more crying and no more suffering and no more tears and no more death that old order will have passed away. It will have been God. There will be a new order come, a new heaven and a new earth uh, that will be made in perfect harmony. Uh, we will be with God forever. We will see him face to face. All loss and all death will just be swallowed up in victory and we can enjoy Jesus and his kingdom and all that means for an eternity. In this life, we face loss. We face death. We, we constantly have to battle, but there is always one Eye on a glorious hope, one eye on a glorious future that we we have with Jesus, and we are to look forward to that. We are to take that truth and remind ourselves of that. So we're saying, no matter what we're facing now, we know there is something better coming. There is something better coming. What it is, and that gives us faith to continue in this life, to persevere, to keep going in the face of suffering and pain and loss and whatever we face, find ourselves facing. We know that Jesus has been through it. Whatever we're going through, whatever we know uh, family, friends, uh, loved ones are going through, we know Jesus understands. He's been through it so we can cry out to him in our grief, in our pain, in our loss, which are wonderful truths. Uh, okay, that's what we're going to finish on today. He descended to the dead, but on the third day he rose again, which is fantastic. Enjoy that truth today, church. Love you. Um, there should be some videos appearing around me now, um, which about anything else you want to access uh, for stuff that's going on this morning. I hope you guys uh, stay safe, uh, wash your hands and stay close to Jesus.